No intro, just vibes. <laughs> Welcome to Off the Film Path, where usually we talk about a movie that, for better or for worse, is less known to the general public. But today is approximately our one-year anniversary, so we're going to talk about that for a while. I'm Kyle. And I'm Sophia, as usual. So why I think this is especially notable is both of us, for one reason or another, have a lot of trouble focusing on things. Yeah. <laughs> that is very true. So the fact that we made it a year is very exciting. It's frankly bewildering. And the fact that we did this in the middle of a pandemic. I will say that the reason that I've been able to make it a year is because I've had Kyle saying, hey, when are we recording? Like, <laughs> if it were on me, this would have made it like four episodes. <laughs> oh boy, what a year it's been. What's happened in our lives? Oh my god, what hasn't happened? <clears throat> so, from approximately last March, I turned 30... Kyle, bleep this part out. <laughs> Let's see, I was in... Des Moines-ish, and then I went full-time permanent at my current job, and I was a contractor at the time, so they brought me on full-time permanent, and I moved to New York City. I moved first to the Bronx, and then a few... Well, technically, I moved to New Jersey, and I was staying with a friend, oh, yeah. then I moved to the Bronx because there was a double-booking issue. And then, <laughs> and then I moved to Manhattan, where I currently reside. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Fell deeply in love. Fell deeply out of love. And I have been fucking everywhere. And that's just since January. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just got back from Atlanta, Georgia, doing a training program, because that's, that's what I do, for progressive veterans. And that's been my year. What about you, Kyle? What you been up to? Let's see. Since March of 2021, I I got a new job. I moved to I moved back home to St. Louis, and I got my own apartment. That's been really cool. Apart from that, I haven't done that much. I feel like because I was just chilling. I got to be around friends more. Just vibing. Yeah, I wasn't able to do that in Des Moines as much. Actually, a big part of the reason this started is because I did not have friends in Des Moines. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, Des Moines is such a... It's it's this weird place because it's not... I mean, it's small, but it's not too small. Right. And, well, I mean, the Jewish community in Des Moines is very small. But, like, even then, like, the theater community is not that big. Yeah, like, a lot of the things that I, that I know that you're interested in, like, those communities are really small in Des Moines. Yeah. And established. It's hard to like it. You feel like you feel like you're like breaking in when you try to enter those communities. Yeah. One thing that was really frustrating was I was working at where I worked, which mm -hmm. had a religious school and that met on Wednesdays, which meant I couldn't really volunteer for any community theater. And I couldn't go to the game shop that I loved to do Dungeons and Dragons because that met on Wednesdays. I was like, oh my goodness. Ugh, I hate it. I hate it. <sighs> yeah. 
Yeah, I thought that'd be a fun little thing to just look back and it's like, yeah, we did this a year. What's happened? <laughs> I I think I made I, I think I did one audition in in Des Moines and it was for oh my god. It was for the best Christmas Carol ever or something. Oh, that's right. I did the fire department thing. I completely forgot about that. (laughs) And you were amazing. Oh, shush. But thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I I auditioned because I am a slut for validation. (laughs) (laughs) I auditioned for the best Christmas pageant ever at the theater that was like right across the street from Tefereth. Oh, that's the Playhouse, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I saw a great production of A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder there. Ooh, that would have been fun to play in, but like, mm-hmm. what we got when I when I was there was the best Christmas pageant ever, so that's what I auditioned for. Also, that particular show is very dude-heavy. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's two notable women roles, but like, yeah. there's Monty, and then there's the guy who plays... Every dice squiff. <laughs> Weirdly, the guy who played Monty had like almost a Kelsey Grammer vibe to him, which was very good for the character. Oh, nice. I like it. I thought another thing we could talk about is going back even a little farther to like how this got started. Okay, so this is the story before Kyle spoils it and like tells you the wrong version. <laughs> <laughs> He's lying. He's lying. Now, so what happened was I popped on Facebook one day and Kyle had like put on there like, hey, any of my friends interested in starting a podcast? I was like, I'm your Huckleberry. And the rest is, I mean, it's been a match made. In, I mean, somewhere Albuquerque. Why not? In Albuquerque. <laughs> love so- it. Love it. My side of things, which is more involved. (laughs) And it's a tissue of lies. Yes. In 2020, the way I filled my time was making trivia games. And by the end of the year, I had made seven, I think, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. So I had had a microphone from another time that I had thought about doing a podcast. It was it was not going to be anything substantial in the slightest. And it was a bad microphone. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, okay, let's let's gather your thoughts. Let's actually make this happen. I believe that you can do this. I had also done about two editing projects before. One was taking the podcast My Brother, My Brother and Me mm-hmm. and cutting up cutting out my favorite parts and recombining them to make what I called the ultimate episode. <laughs> oh, nice. And then the other was a podcast I listened to called Story Break did an episode on the Monster Mash. They read out the lyrics, and I took that audio and put it over the song. Oh, nice. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's... I know a little bit about Audacity, which if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, maybe I should use Audacity, don't use Audacity. It is spyware. I'm just too entrenched to change. <laughs> Honestly, like, if you want to know that much about me, you could just ask i mean i'm not going to give you my credit card information because i don't have a credit card but like you could just ask so i was figuring out okay how can i make a podcast for no money how can i not spend anything so i found zencaster which we use to record i found anchor which we use to host i was 
prepare to use this website called Libsyn, which like it's cheap, but it's not free. So (laughs) (laughs) which violates the ethos, but only a little bit. Yeah. And then I used a thing called Chrome Music Lab to make the intro and outro and then grabbed an effect online for the projector sound. Okay. Yeah. Everything on the cheap. The two things I was like, I'm going to have to spend money on a microphone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I already had one, and I had, but I ended up spending money to buy a nicer one. And fully prepared to buy art for the cover. Okay. However, Which, oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I contracted my friend who was on the Hebrew Hammer episode. His name's Brad. He, by trade and education, is a video game environment artist. Brad did the art, and I was like, okay, how much do I owe you? He's like, no, this one's a birthday gift. I was like, oh, Bradley? Bradley. so nice. That is is very, very nice. We should have him on again. Yes, 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 yes. I have plans for two movies. Okay. And, yeah, so I was like, okay, I have just about everything around the podcast set. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to do this alone, because if I do that, it might as well be a video essay. And that's way more work than I'm willing to do. Yeah, honestly, like I used to do video essays very briefly. Mm -hmm. They're a nightmare. I don't like it. So as Sophia alluded to, I took to Facebook and said, hey, I'm doing a podcast about movies, about weird, obscure-ish movies. Who wants to do this with me? And I believe I got three responses. Obviously, Sophia was the one who was willing to put in the work. But I also heard from Bob, who ended up on our Orgasmo episode, mm-hmm. very limited interest, but I'm glad that he reached out. It was, it was very nice, yeah. and I'm glad we had him on. Yeah. The third person who reached out, though, was Matt. Really? Yes. Huh. Yes. I'm friends with Matt from college, and I know Sophia from synagogue, so I'd known Matt a little longer. I was a little more comfortable with him, so I was like, oh, maybe that could be really good. I... I like Sophia, but I don't know how an extended project like this would work. But I was also very nervous because I was like, I don't want to disappoint anyone. (laughs) Very much a Kyle thing. Yeah. In talking with Matt, I got on a call with him and he quite honestly didn't want to fully commit to the podcast. He's like, I'll be on any episode you want. I'm just not feeling like jumping into your thing. And yeah. In a, in a way, this is my podcast. I try I try as much as I can to make it our podcast. I feel I feel co ownership here, so that works. You're doing you're doing good with that. I'm glad. But yeah, like there was a there was a decision that had to be made, and by process of elimination, I am queen. Yes, I'm the queen of this podcast based on a technicality, the best kind. <laughs> way to be a queen (laughs) but that is also why we have matt guest on so many episodes awesome awesome is because he's very interested in the concept he loves movies film art house film and all this sorts of stuff he just didn't want to oh does he now (laughs) no he likes big time adolescence No, he doesn't. He's just got a lot to say about Machine Gun Kelly, which, by the way, whomst among us. Did you (laughs) see that fucking travesty? Apparently, he did a cover of something on some late night talk show, and it was awful. Oh, God. 
I do feel a little weird talking about people who have come on because I know they will listen, but it's okay because I love them all dearly. Yes. I just want to say that like, I love everyone who's come on this podcast and it's, it's such a pleasure and an honor to like have met those folks. And, you know, I think I sarcastically referred to Matt as the love of my life once. Yep. I remember that. (laughs) I hope that wasn't weird for anybody, but like if it was, he played it off and we haven't spoken about it since, which good enough. Yeah. That's the other thing about this podcast. I love just, I did it because I wanted to talk about movies with my friends. Yeah. I did it because I also wanted to talk about movies with my friends, but, or well, with my friend and I guess his friends, (laughs) but like, also i had the the knowledge and and you know stuff to say so i was like yeah what you got buddy yeah this truly would not be half the podcast it is without sophia actually doing research (laughs) oh i've been slacking (laughs) that's fine it's fine (laughs) i've also been exceptionally busy this year like my day job has been actively trying to murder me oh in a midterms year i bet Oh my God. Look, don't even, don't even get, I'm taking, okay. I'm going to let you know what the rest of my year looks like. I'm not going to tell you anything other than it's so, it's going to be so fucking exhausting that I will be taking the entire month of December going to Spain and I will have my phone and my laptop off. Excellent. Yes. And I'll be doing something that is so quintessentially Sophia. It is just have I told you about this, Kyle? That you're doing the flamenco school? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to an actual no-shit flamenco school in Granada. That's sick as hell. Yeah, but it's also like, it's also quintessentially Sophia to go like, I need a vacation. What am I going to do? Go to school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and pay to do so. But I will say that their nicest apartment is about $150 a month less than my current apartment. So, like, the shit hits the fan. I know where I'm going. Switzerland! No. Sure. So, I rewatched Moulin Rouge somewhat recently. Uh-huh. And Ewan McGregor's great. John Leguizamo, though, is so much fun in that movie. Look, we all hated the pest, but John Leguizamo, like, in Romeo plus Juliet and Moulin Rouge, just mwah. And Ice Age. <laughs> it, I, I don't... I, what about my oldness makes you think that I've seen Ice Age? You, you know I don't have children. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> there was a time when I couldn't escape it, I remember, but... Mm, yeah, like, I was vaguely aware... Like, I knew it was a thing, <laughs> and, like, I knew what all the stupid memes and gifts that everybody was sharing at the time... God, that was so long ago that i surprised they still had them. I knew what that was all from, but, like, didn't see the movies. You are not missing out on a damn thing. Yeah. Color me surprised. It's like I know something about movies or something. (laughs) I will say, though, that came out of Blue Sky Studios, and do you know what happened with them within the past year or so? Blue Skies. Oh, that sounds familiar. Disney acquired them and then shut down a movie that was, like, 80% done. (laughs) What was it, too gay? It might have it that might have been it. Yeah. Fuck you. Blue Sky had some weird stuff, but they also produced the 2006 movie Robots, 
which uh, radically anti-capitalist. I'm here for that. Yeah, that was, that was a very weird movie. It's mostly anti-capitalism, and then like a not insignificant portion is "haha, robot has big butt" and is voiced by Jennifer Coolidge. Good lord. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wonder then if it wasn't so much the gayness as it was the um. Hey, you can't say that coming from the people who used to do Steamboat Willie cartoons. Yeah, I think we've gotten enough opposite over adjacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. trick joke. <laughs> no, I I got you. That that's a tangent. That's a tangent. <laughs> so Katoa. Yep, I literally had to say that to remember which. I knew it was opposite and adjacent. I didn't remember which was over which. Hmm. Yep. Oh boy. Okay, so... I'm a nerd. (laughs) We're both nerds. We're both very deeply nerds. Exactly. Obviously, over the course of this podcast, if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that we also love listening to other podcasts ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that had an influence on this, so I thought that'd be fun to talk about. I was reminding Sophia of a Pablo Picasso quote I've seen floating around recently, which is, good artists steal, great artists copy. So here's us copying we started doing our intros a few episodes in one because it's fun and i personally took inspiration from dungeons and daddies they are extremely creative with their intros and have done a bunch of like musical intros that are very like intensive and fascinating okay okay so i was kind of inspired by like you know, I, I wanted. I decided I wanted to do the pod because I would. I felt that this was my moment to follow in the footsteps of of the people who got me interested in film criticism and uh, cultural criticism. So those were video essayists. Lindsay Ellis was hugely transformative for me. And like, do not. And I'm serious. I'm serious about this. Do not fucking at me about Lindsay Ellis. <laughs> I'm not fucking kidding. Do not at me. I'm not having that discussion with any of you goblins. I I won't do it. But also H bomber guy who is, if you're not familiar with H bomber guy, he does, he does (laughs) video game reviews and like, you know, nerdy TV show reviews, but also for a hot minute in there, he did a measured response series where he would basically take 40 minutes and just, vivisect the concept of like flat earth flat eartherism or like climate change denial or like the racist fascists who hate star wars i love one clip in particular from the climate change denial video and i know you know the one (laughs) sure do (laughs) our boy harris plays a clip of ben shapiro when he famously before his massive rebrand he famously stood up in front of a bunch of people and said, okay, let's say the, the oceans rise by five feet. Let's say 10 feet. Do you think people won't just sell their homes and move? And then Harris cuts to a blank wall, which he axes in from the outside and sits there in the hole just going, just one small problem, Ben. Sell their houses to who? Fucking Aquaman. Amazing. Very good. My exposure to H-Bomber Guy is I know that he did a Donkey Kong 64 Twitch stream and he got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez 
on the like phone call what have you i was on the twitch stream when that happened you watched that yes so i didn't watch that at the time however i did see the twitch stream that aoc and ilhan omar did where they played among us and he was one of the people oh i didn't see that one that one was very funny because for whatever reason people were very hesitant to k word (laughs) aoc Sure, she's so nice. Yes. Well, she's nice to good people. Yeah. And in one particular round, Harris was the imposter and got her. Yeah. <laughs> and she was just dumbfounded. She's like, I thought we had rapport. Thought- <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. She's great. She's great. There was also one round where her and Ilhan were the two imposters, and it was very ineffectual. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's fine. I don't yeah. need my senators or Congress people to be good at video games. No, I mean, I will say that it's a brilliant voter outreach strategy, especially if you're trying to get young, politically engaged folks. If you're on a Twitch stream where everybody's donating money, like actual money, mm-hmm. that's a great place to engage with, you know, those who have disposable income and are young enough to know what Twitch is. Yeah, Bernie Sanders has a Twitch, and all it does is broadcast his speeches. I hate that. I hate that. It's fine. I mean, the man can speak, but like, dude, the platform has so much more potential. You I could know. do a foot cam, my dude. No, 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 no. <laughs> hot tub stream. Oh no, 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 no! We're not doing that. No, please, okay. God, no. I step away from the lathe, ma'am. Yeah. So. You took yours from video essayists. Also, before I move on from that, I know another popular person in that section of YouTube is Jenny Nicholson. Do you have strong opinions about her? You know, Jenny Nicholson, I, I like I like her attitude and I like what she has to say. And I know that that she was pretty close to Lindsay Ellis and like just watching their interactions on Twitter kind of gave me an idea of like, you know, how she engages with the world off screen. And like, I think I'm probably like, if I knew Jenny Nicholson in person, I probably really enjoy her company, but like her videos, for whatever reason, I, I can listen to them as like white noise. Okay. Hey, not everything works for everyone and that's totally okay. Yeah. But I mean, like I, I, I very much support her work because when I when I have like mustered the the strength to to pay attention, it, it's been solid criticism and like you know of of things that like no no you deserve to be dragged a little bit. <laughs> so my inspiration for this podcast, like the main meat of it, was two podcasts. One called Ending Pending, which covers TV shows that only lasted a single season. Yep, as I recall, that was your first pop culture pop-up very first one yeah because by the nature of having only one season it's a little obscure Mm -hmm. fun fact i might like tweet at them and say like hey here's two good ones and two bad ones and one of the bad ones is this movie not movie is a tv show called call your mother have you heard of this nope a woman from waterloo iowa has not heard from her son in four days so she flies out to la Sounds pretty Jewish, right? That 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 just has the most 
Jewish vibe. Like I could, I could only, I was dumbfounded. All I saw in my head was Amaga and David. So in the show, she is not explicitly Jewish. And I think that she is not, but like, there's a lot of Jewish vibes to that. Yeah. Also, also, also her daughter in the show was the lead actress in that movie Shiva Baby, if you saw that? Oh, yeah. I went into that thinking it was going to be, like, incredibly lesbacious, and it ended up being more depressing than anything. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm... <laughs> I, ending pending is crazy. A funny story, I guess, that I'm sure I told. Back in 2019, end of 2019, I listened to a bunch of their episodes about shows I knew mm-hmm. and sent them an email and said, like, really love the stuff. Check out this one. Also, only one of you has good opinions on Clone High. Yeah. <laughs> I joke. I'm joking. But it was the one who like liked the show. Because I think Clone High is a good show. I would have just not said anything and and let them fight it out because honestly that would be a quality bit to do on air is to just like read fan mail and be like so only one of us has good opinions on clone high and obviously it's me and then just had them fight about it oh no i did name drop the person yeah i know that's what i'm saying like it would have the only way it could have been better is if you if you didn't i just feel weird about that sort of thing like just emailing these people that like they're aware that i have listened but like apart from that no clue Anyway, emailed them probably about either December of 2019 or January 2020. Mm-hmm. Heard back from them July of 2020. Yeah. And the person who responded was the one I said had good opinions on Clone High. Yeah. And basically, like, they addressed the multiple points I had and then said, hey, we're doing a Zoom recording of our 100th episode. Here's the link. It's tonight. And I was like... I thought that was so bizarre. Were you able to go on? I was. So I actually watched all of Dimension 20's episode that released that day. Uh-huh. And then I jumped on. Nice. And it was it was really cool to see. I am slightly bitter because they did a little game amongst them that also included some audience participation. Mm. And one of the questions was they've said they'll never cover Firefly. But three actors who were in Firefly were in shows they covered. Uh, and so I put in the chat one that I knew. They didn't get my name right. And I was like, oh. weird. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, obviously they had to put you in your place. Clearly. Hmm. Oh, my God. The other inspiration, though, is one called D Comedy, which is a brother and sister reviewing Disney Channel original movies. And they have just a very fun dynamic. Yeah, I don't know how. Like, I don't. I don't know if that's necessarily my speed, but yeah, I got. I got you. Well, let's see. The brother is younger, and he's about my age, I mm. think. So it's like, oh yeah, same timeline, okay. similar life experience. Also from them, they do a monthly episode, and it's like two hours mm-hmm. compared to like any other timeline. And that's what I thought we were going to start with. I was like, I can commit myself to once a month. And then as soon as we released the first episode, I was like, when do we get to do the next one? Yeah. So I think the process for us was was a lot easier than we expected it to be and a lot more fun in the recording process. Yeah. So, yeah, we just we decided, 
and we could do this fortnightly. Indeed. <laughs> do you remember why Liberal Arts was our first episode? I do not. Why did you do that to us? Here's a fun story. Oh, boy. When I was talking with you and Matt, and, and of course being you, about this, you were telling me about Queering House. Oh, yeah. And you're like, I watch very straight movies and read queerness into them or something to that effect. That's basically it. Yeah. And so I said, bet and said, try doing that with liberal arts. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I mean, did I not though? I don't remember. I never listened to the episodes. I've heard every episode. I've never listened to a single one. Really? Yeah. That's insane, because your your performance has been just remarkably consistent. Yeah, I'm just me. I'll say this now. I know, God, I watched a video, I think it was from Sarah Zed, mm. about, like, media criticism. And one thing she touched on was that angry video game nerd and nostalgia critic. And, oh, God, what's the one I hate? Oh, that, like, everything wrong with oh, CinemaSins. Uh, CinemaSins, yeah, yeah. God, that they, like, say that it's not sincere that they're doing a character, but then also it's sort of started to bleed over. Yeah. Yeah. That's never been this. This is 95% my opinion. The 5% is exaggeration, mm-hmm. mostly in terms of outrage. Cause that can be funny. Yeah. So I will say that similarly, what you're hearing dear listener is basically me with some minor, like, and Kyle, you know that I am yeah. prone to exaggeration for comedic effect in real life. So, yeah. Is that from uh, being gay, being Jewish, or being trans? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. The last thing I want to say on the inspirations, because that is the section we're on, mm-hmm. is that the pop culture pop out. One, I was like, we're diving fully into a particular movie. This is like almost obsession. (laughs) Not really. Yeah. But like, it's fun to talk about what you, what's been on your mind lately. So there's a video game podcast called triple click that they do one more thing. Mm -hmm. And there was the good place podcast that had, they said, what's good. And in that sense, they, also said, like, hey, what's a charity you like? Or, like, what's good in your life? Okay, okay. So, I think, so for me, I took, like, my, to the extent that I have uh, an on recording, on film, on, no, on, I don't know, on audio personality that differs from my own. I took a lot of inspiration from, or, like, how I approach the dynamic and, like, the, the, occasional unseriousness with which I treat, you know, the movies that we watch. I think that I took a lot of that inspiration wise from a podcast that I really, really enjoy called Trash Future. It's a British podcast that is tech pessimistic and it includes a wonderful trans person on there, Alice Caldwell Kelly, who is fucking hilarious, but also like deeply nerdy and engaged with the stuff, but also, you know, makes a good show of annoying the host by pretending to not be engaged with the stuff. And then there are other, you know, various chaos goblins throughout the internet that I've taken 
other inspirations from that. You know, sundry, <laughs> sundry yeah. finks uh, of various stripes that I won't bother naming. <laughs> Boy. So, Kyle. Yeah. How do you feel about Netflix? Ooh, baby. This is very germane to this podcast because I found a lot of the movies that we have on our list on Netflix in the early days of streaming. So Mm. I call this a rant. It's more of a monologue. In my opinion, Netflix has about four phases of its life cycle currently. The first phase was when they mailed people DVDs. Yeah. My parents still do this. I didn't know that was a service they still offered. Yep. I think we kind of just got grandfathered in. Wild. Uh, They never got rid of it. Yeah, I know. But they don't really use it, though, because, like, everything they want to watch is somewhere. What have you. Okay. Phase two. This is... I love phase two of streaming. They had no original content, so they had to put weird shit in their back catalog. (laughs) They also put a shit ton of movie musicals. And... Recordings of stage performances of musicals. So good. Okay. Okay. Side note, during this phase, you could request a CD or I should just a disc from Netflix to put into your gaming console. I had a PS3, but I know for sure they also had it on the Wii mm-hmm. and it would run Netflix on your console. This was before like everything was an app. Right, right, right. So like those terrible dark days. They didn't have that on consoles natively, so they they would send you a disc. I I watched so much cool stuff on there. Phase three was the start of their original content. And did you know what the first Netflix original TV show was? No, I have no idea. Apparently, it was House of Cards. Really? Yeah, that's something I read. Oh, yeah. The, the click noise that comes before the boom that's like the netflix startup thing yeah that's underwood knocking his west point ring on the on the oval office on the uh, resolute desk of the oval office that is fascinating yeah actually that's fascinating i thought it was orange is the new black nope but my point in bringing this up it's when their early original stuff was different but i wouldn't call it weird you know what i mean yeah like, because HBO had been doing It's Not TV, It's HBO for a while now. So it's nothing so out there mm-hmm. that we were completely unaccustomed. But like with Orange is the New Black, suddenly you're getting a lot of stories that you hadn't seen before. Namely, non-white and non-cishet. Yeah. And, oh boy, was that not popular. God. Or rather, I should say, there was some pushback. Yes. And now we are currently in phase four, where they will do weird shit sometimes. Just to fuck with you. Yeah, like Big Mouth, for example. Oh, the whole adult animation, that's a whole thing. But also like she Princess of Power, not adult animation, but animation nonetheless. But in particular, two things come to mind, which is the unauthorized Bash Brothers experience, which is a visual album from the Lonely Island about two players on the 1989 Oakland Athletics. Huh. It's amazing. And it's like, what? Yes. All right. Yes. The other is 
what is certainly a vanity project called Frankenstein's Monsters Monster Frankenstein. This is David Harbour learning about his grandfather. This is fictitious, that he plays, and his grandfather was a stage actor in this show called Frankenstein's Monsters Monster Frankenstein. And it's just bonkers. Like, you see David Harbour learning about his past by interviewing people, but you also see a recording of that stage performance, and it's just goofy. And that's also, like, 40 minutes. You would not ever suspect that Netflix would greenlight a short film in 2013, even. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, now they basically just, like, they're into original content and all the other, like, the stuff they used to do before where they send people, like, actual movies that people want to see. That's all for show. That's side business. Mm-hmm. And then when everyone popped up with their own streaming services, they were like, oh, we don't need to pay to keep friends. Oh, we don't need to pay to keep the office. We'll just rest on our original content. And it worked for them. And you know what? That also... So I think that this is a beautiful piece of social satire. Do you know why? No, please enlighten me. Because it inspired Quibi. Fucking Quibi. Yes, this model was Quibi's exact thing, except shorter. Like, in an era where, like, people want more long-form content, there was some jackass who went, you know, I think what people want is shorter-form content, so we could be, like, the Netflix of short-form content, which, I, so, so you want to make TikTok, but, like, boring? That's the thing. That's the thing. It's, like, either very long-form content, eight-hour video essays on victorious Quentin Reviews, <laughs> or two minutes at most. <laughs> yeah, so Quibi was coming into it with a flawed perspective on things, but they were hoping to ride off of Netflix's fourth wave, where they're just like, fuck all of this. We we don't need to actually try. We just need to produce something. Also, College Humor, which I love very dearly, and I'm sure you enjoy as well, Oh yeah, has a sketch called Dropout is a Netflix, mm. which kind of goes over the streaming service thing, but it's also like a who's on first thing <sighs> with Brennan not understanding CEO Sam Reich when he's like, yeah, Dropout is a Netflix. <laughs> it's it's I mean, very goofy. I get what he's saying, but also that sounds like it would be very funny because it would be the easiest thing in the world to not get. Yeah, but also... There's a part where he does a run of a bunch of streaming services, and it's, oh my god, there's too many. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I so, mm. so, I will say that Netflix, to me, has this kind of, like, weirdly nostalgic thing, and, like, I kind of hold on to it probably past its prime, because it is the feedstock, originally, for Queering House. So in my introductory episode of Queering House, I described my Netflix watch list as a cinephile's knicker, etc. drawer, which in retrospect, no, (laughs) no, could have done without that, should have done without that, but I didn't. So here we are. But and my first couple of essays were, you know, from Netflix. So I did Earth and Blood. Yeah, Earth and Blood, Le Terre et la Sang. It's a French shoot 'em up. And then I did Retablo, 
which was a Peruvian Quechua language LGBTQ plus movie. God, I am the fucking worst. So those two I did off of my Netflix watch list. And so like there is there is a point or, or there is a, a level to me to which like Netflix is always going to be kind of like maybe not near and dear to my heart, but certainly vital to my operations. Yeah. So something completely different. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Throw me off my throw me off my thing. I'm sorry. No, that's you fine. Have more you wanted to say. No, no, I, I, I I'm done. Go ahead. Okay. I'm, I'm kidding. So we thought a fun thing. We like talking about the movies we'll eventually cover. Here are some that probably fit the criteria that we will never, ever, ever fucking cover. Look, we cover some bad movies on this podcast. These movies are so bad. The answer is and will always remain no. Kyle, would you like to start us off? I will start off with a movie called Flower. This stars Zoe Deutsch, who I appreciate seeing. I think she's good at what she does. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't remember most of what happens because it's, as Sophia calls it, high school bullshit. Sure. I think the thing is, Zoe Deutsch's mom gets married to a guy. She has a new stepbrother. He's really awkward. Family drama in with this new arrangement. And a bunch of stuff. Now, there's a whole thing with the new brother accused Adam Scott's character of inappropriateness, we'll say. And it's, it's real dodgy. Turns out it was someone else that had the problem, but he said it. It was for himself so that it, like the story got out but didn't embarrass this girl or mm-hmm. what have you. So they end up – this is like now the last 20 minutes of the movie. They end up killing Adam Scott weirdly. God, that was such a weird thing. They escape from the police, and the movie nearly ends with them, their car like fucking given out on them. They're in a field, and this 17-year-old girl and 18-year-old boy, step-siblings, have sex. And I'm like, ugh, God. All right, yeah, I don't I don't know about all that. I, uh, I don't know. It's bad. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. Theo, what is a movie we will never watch? Cremains. Okay, so this was a 2001 movie written and directed by Steve Sessions. It <laughs> stars Richard Dysel as himself and Eleanor Herman as herself. And the entire conceit is it's this mortician in a crematorium telling four horror stories. That's it. it okay. It's so... it This straight-to-laser-disc bullshit is just so fucking bad like this 90 minute knuckle fucker could not could have been could have been about an hour shorter kyle what's a movie we're never gonna watch uh movie we're never gonna watch is skeleton twins this is billed as a dark comedy starring bill Hader and Kristen wig two very funny people Mm -hmm. this movie is not funny no. At all. I hate that. Here are the highlights of what's bad. It opens with both of them attempting suicide. Uh-huh. And then also includes an infidelity plotline on Kristen Wiig's behalf and a pedophile plotline on Bill Hader's behalf. He was the victim in that instance with 
Ty Burrell as his teacher. Oh no. Yeah. I know. I love Ty Burrell. No, I because yeah. remember I said that like he has a face that is unsettling to me, especially when oh, Rembrandt yes. lit. Yes. God. Oh fuck. But yeah. Skeleton Twins sucks. <laughs> yeah. Or it's uh, it's a bummer for sure, and I don't want to watch it. So I'm gonna go next with yeah. Evil Dead, like the original one. Really? Okay. Like, all right. The original one tried to be a horror film, and it failed so hard that Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness were, like, they, they, they looked at it and they were like, so we set out to make a scary movie, and it came off as funny. Fuck it, I guess it's a comedy series now. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it points for self-awareness, but also it is tiresome. Because it is taking itself very seriously, despite being Evil Dead. Um, the remake, I will say, doesn't really have this problem, but it also has 100% more tree rape. And I don't yeah. like that. I do like Sam Raimi. I think he makes good work. He makes good work. I will say that like there were there were some really high quality, like when he when he did his version of The Grudge, it was taut and tense in a way that sometimes the original Japanese version kind of lost in places. I will also say that it was real fucked up to have that like caregiver have her jaw get ripped off. That was weird. So Sam Raimi naturally did the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. We all know this. Yep. The best Spider-Man movies. (laughs) Did you know that Bruce Campbell is in all three of them? No. What? Yeah. Shut up. How? What? Very minor parts. Yeah. So one of them, he's like the maitre d' at a restaurant. One, I think the first one, he's like, I think he might be the announcer at the wrestling arena. Okay. Okay. But I had heard something that there had been an idea floating around mm-hmm. that Bruce Campbell was going to be revealed to be Mysterio. Oh, that would have been amazing. I would love to see like Bruce Campbell because like, all right. Everybody in the comics is like ripped and sexy unless they're bad guys. And then half the time (laughs) they're ripped and sexy. But like Mysterio was of the ripped and sexy variety of bad guys, except he wore a fishbowl. Groovy. He's a weird dude. (laughs) So yeah, seeing, seeing like a dumpier, like, sorry, sorry, Bruce Campbell. I love you to death, but you've lost some definitions since army of darkness. That's fine. You just, that's aging for you. Sorry. Another movie we will not never watch is A Case of You. Oh, this sounds pretentious as fuck. Exceedingly pretentious. It stars Justin Long and Evan Rachel Wood. Two people I enjoy watching. Okay. But it's like 500 Days of Summer was worse, which is a feat Ooh. unto itself. Yeah, that's that's impressive. Justin Long Facebook stalks this woman. And, like, changes his life so that he would be more appealing to her. And it's just so gross and possessive. And if I remember right, the movie kind of forgives him at the end. And it's like, oh, no. No, no, no. Oh, do better, movie. Yeah. That could be me misremembering, I will say. Mm. Because, unsurprisingly, I did not watch it a second time. Mm. Yeah. But, whatever. 
Sophia, what's a movie we are not going to watch? The entire, and I mean the entire, God's Not Dead saga. So these are, if you're not aware, cheap Christian propaganda films. All of the characters are either, I won't, I won't call them moral paragons, but they're uncomplicatedly good. And all of the villains are, they're straw men. So in the first one specifically, the, the tension revolves around a Christian boy who goes to college and he's in his philosophy 101 class. And his philosophy professor says, in order to continue taking this class, I need you to say out loud, God is dead. Now, if you're not aware, dear listener, that is, I believe it's Sigmund Freud. No, uh, no, that's Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Thank you. Friedrich Nietzsche. I misspoke. That is Friedrich Nietzsche. And the full quote is, God is dead and we have killed him. And what this is saying is more that society continues to engage with the scientific process and an analytical understanding of the world and has stepped away from a superstitious response to things that we don't understand. That's what Nietzsche was saying. Okay. Now, why did this professor force these people of different religious, of what has to be a spectrum of religious belief to say this out loud? First off, no one ever would. But if you had to assign a reasonable motivation for that, it is to not fear material, which on the surface challenges your beliefs. So I can say that coming from an evangelical Christian background, I knew that that quote was by Nietzsche, and I hadn't read the the source material, and I had no desire to, and there was, if I'm being perfectly honest with myself, a sense of fear that it might make sense. So there is something, I say, to the idea that perhaps in order to prepare you for the difficult and rigorous process, which is reading and understanding and grappling with philosophy, you cannot be afraid of material that is going to challenge your beliefs. That said, this is treated like the highest offense anyone could ask and a violation of, of religious liberty. And in the end, the offending professor is hit by a car and dies. It is childish. It is propagandistic. It is perhaps the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And functionally, not a movie so much as a hour and a half long snuff film where no one has sex because it's also a Christian snuff film. <laughs> and the other, the others are just as pandering and gross. So we'll not be watching those ever. <laughs> Kyle, what's a movie we're not watching? I put on here sort of trust. This one may like very unlikely. <laughs> okay. But the premise is, Mark Marin runs a pawn shop. He's not really the main guy, but he's part of the main cast. It's not really about him. Mm -hmm. But Kayla Watkins, who was in In a World, she played the sister. Okay. And Jillian Bell, who did a lot of stuff on Comedy Central and was also in 22 Jump Street. All right. One, they are lesbians, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, all right. I'm about, I like but that. Two, Jillian Bell's grandfather dies. And she inherits a number of things, including a sword, 
which allegedly proves that the South won the Civil War. Wow. Yeah. So this is, I guess, a thing. This probably exists of people looking for artifacts that prove the South won the Civil War. Very goofy. And kind of the premise is just them deciding what to do with the sword. Like, because they do want money. They don't really want the sword, but they also don't want it to get into, like, the hands of crazy people. And it's it's just a lot of nothing. Yeah, that sounds exhausting. Yeah. Also, Dan Beckadal is in it. He was in Killing Hasselhoff. Okay. As, oh god, he was the gangster's, like, right-hand man. Oh yeah, I like him. Yeah. He's fun in the movie, but, like, just the movie itself, it's like, nothing really happens. And also I have to deal with a lot of, like, really stereotypical the South One kind of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't, this is not an enjoyable experience. Sophia, what is a movie we will not watch? The Gate 2. <laughs> Enough said. I don't even know what it's yeah. about. I don't care. It's not happening. I looked it up. Glenn's not in it. It focuses on Terry. Oh, I hate that. I hate that so yeah. much. Like I said, The Gate is about Terry, not Glenn. Yeah, you did say that. Yeah. I'm good though. Like that's yeah, awful. This movie was too dumb, even for this podcast. We're better than that. <laughs> Kyle, what's a movie we're not watching? To cap off this section for me, we're not watching a movie called Banana Split. This is heady high school bullshit with like love triangles, and I was like, I can't do that to Sophia. I did have it on the list at one point. But the only reason is because it has Dylan Sprouse. This Kyle? is actually kind of fascinating. Kyle, yes. are they actual love triangles or are they love chevrons? Probably chevrons, but it's a complicated relationship. Okay. Which is main character, don't remember their name, and Dylan Sprouse date all through high school. Mm. Summer after graduation, they break up. He starts seeing a new girl. Our first girl goes to confront her, but then they become friends. Okay. Like, despite the fact that girl two is dating girl one's ex-boyfriend. And then it just, like, God. it eventually grates on their relationship. And it's just like, yeah, this is about what I would expect. Yeah. That's it's just... pretty paint by number. Actually, the premise is not that common. But then everything from that is pretty expected. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Sophia, what is a movie we will not watch? All right. Any Hellraiser movie after Hellraiser 4, and I'm serious about this. Actually, I'm not that serious about it. Some of them are very funny. All right, so the original 1987 Hellraiser was a horror-gore masterpiece. It is based on a short story by Clive Barker, or rather, I think it's a novella by Clive Barker called The Hellbound Heart. And it is roughly about the depths of sexual nihilism and moderation and, you know, what happens when you go too far looking to satisfy ever-increasingly extreme urges. And, of course, this, this puzzle box that makes its way around the dark side of the, of, of the... Well, this was before the internet. The, I don't know, grapevine? Yeah, the scumbag grapevine. And so... Yeah, this this box will will give you what you know what what you've always desired, 
a path to a new realm of experience. And, you know, it, it's a brilliant movie. I love it. Everything about it is amazing. And I just want to hug it and kiss it and tell it it's enough. <laughs> and then the sequel was functionally a good movie. It was entertaining. It reintroduced some old characters, introduced some new characters, some world building and some process. It was good. It was a fine movie. So then the third one was early 90s schlock horror. Uh, <laughs> it, it, was, it was just, it was what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would have been if it were like made in the gritty realism of now. But also with like what, what would 100% be a gay bar now, but I guess is the world's only straight leather bar. <laughs> and also like a whole bunch of people dying. And demons, of course, because that was the thing that didn't really happen in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then four kind of prefigured the Matrix a little bit and did some some really interesting stuff. It had a young Adam Scott wearing a wig that was just mwah. It was a fine movie. It was good. It made the future look really fucking degraded and kind of nasty, but it was a close to the concept. And so it basically says that anything that happens between this point and the end of this movie, everything that happens in the Hellraiser saga happens between those two points. So you're like, awesome. It's cool. And they just kept making them. Holy shit. They just kept making them. It was very clear at that point that they lost interest in the franchise and they were just cranking out spec script shits. Just, you know, every couple of years to keep a stranglehold on the IP and that they did that through five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and 11. They're apparently remaking one that's going to be a remake of the original starring Miss Jamie Clayton, whom we stand. And that's to be released later this year. I will see that everyone will see that, which disqualifies it from this podcast. However, I will not ever ever talk about hellraiser 11 or as it's properly known hellraiser judgment why won't we be talking about that because it's free on imdb and that tells you everything you need to know about it and fucking credible amazing we're gonna shift to another segment for our anniversary we're gonna talk about our favorite and least favorite movies that we covered in the past year but also favorite and least favorite record sessions yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is definitely while the movies are obviously front and center in the podcast, you know, there is still a production process that goes into that. And that can sometimes be grueling and upsetting and <laughs> irritating. And, you know, it, it's not always fun in games. Like I enjoy doing this with Kyle. I would do this forever. But if I could go back in time and make a couple of recordings not happen, oh, fuck, would I do that? Yeah. So, Kyle, what was your favorite session here? Well, real quick, I do want to give a peek behind the curtain because we are talking about sort of the production process. Okay. This is a funny thing is that, Sophia, you're very good at coming up, like having particular patterns or phrases that you use a lot, mm -hmm. which is very good if we were to ever try to monetize. Yes. Well, that, that's part of why I do it. Yep. One of them was leave it in coward. <laughs> For at least 10 episodes, 
like you didn't say it every time, but if you said it, I kept the thing you were referencing, but I usually took out the leave it in coward. Yeah, the phrase. Personally, I don't love quote unquote shop talk in podcast episodes. I think that's sloppy work. Okay. Like that, leave that out. But I've gotten a little looser with it. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, uh, and and this is, I will say that, that this is the shit that is like monetizable because everybody likes a peek behind the curtain. So like when the like video essays wouldn't be nearly as much fun if there wasn't the occasional like chat with the producer on camera. I get what you mean. Like what? Mm-hmm. I didn't so hear. So no degree? So I'm just like a professor or, oh, nothing. Sorry, that is from a 2012 <laughs> Harvard graduation speech that Andy Samberg gave. <laughs> yes. It's one of the funniest 20 minutes of stand-up you'll ever see. Oh, I anyway. need this. I need this. But my favorite record session, I think, was Butter. Okay. Because we had a lot of fun talking about the movie lot of slam dunks on Jennifer Garner being insane in that movie. Yeah. And also, we both lived in Iowa for quite some time. Like, when we started this podcast, we were both in Iowa. Yeah. Let's check that date. Oh, you know what? You might have just moved. That was August 12th is when it was published. I had not moved yet. Okay. I was getting ready to. Because the next one was Sorry to Bother You, and that was around the time of my move. <laughs> But that was that was a fun session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed I enjoyed butter. Butter was good. It was also probably I would say the most research that I've done for a movie in oh this podcast. God, yeah. But like to be fair though, I had done that research for an essay I had just written for Queering House. So I didn't actually have to spend a whole lot of time doing the research. Right. Sophia, what was your favorite recording session? I think it probably will not surprise anybody. When I say that it was Orgasmo. Oh my god, our first guest! Our first guest! It was Bob, and Bob was a lot of fun. He was clearly, like, he was here, he was having, you know, he was loose, he was having a good time. We were cracking jokes. It was a fun movie. And, you know, I think that it just, it went really smoothly. Like, we didn't have to, like, stop and, like, center ourselves or, or any anything, you know... I don't know how the editing process went for you, but from the recording end of it, it was, it was just, it was unadulterated fun. Yeah. That was interesting. Cause that was the first time I worked with three audio tracks. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause usually it's the two. I like, I like having the separate audio. That's one thing Zencaster does that I adore. Yeah. Cause that really helps with crosstalk that I can cut down on that. Mm-hmm. But when there's three tracks and we're all three of us talking, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? Leave it in. A lot of times it's two of us are laughing and one person's actually talking. I absolutely despise crosstalk personally. Yeah, I, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, so I have a big problem with audio masking. So like if two people are talking at the same time, I can't hear them. I can't hear either of them or anything else. Mm-hmm. And it's just my my brain is consumed with this nails on the chalkboard. Blah, 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 and I just fucking I hate it so much. So, Kyle, what was your least favorite recording session? My least favorite recording session, I almost hate to say it because this is one we had a guest on. This is a dear friend, and I don't want this to be a reflection on her, was Pilgrimage. Okay. It just 
coincided that technology was not our friend that day. Oh, God, and yeah. you might notice the audio is is radically different than anything around it. Yeah. That's because we couldn't use Zencaster because of some technology issues. We used Zoom, which a big thing with Zoom is it will fuck with your audio levels out of your control. Yeah. So, yeah, that that was, you know, from from a production end, that was a challenging one. And and I will say that, yeah, I, I love Danielle. Danielle's great. It it was it was challenging just because there was we also had a significant lag. So we got lots and lots of crosstalk. Right. So by the end of it, I was just like ready to throw my laptop out of the skyscraper that I recorded. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so it was it it was a rough one, but we got there and I think it the episode is fine. And again, Danielle, we love you to death. This is not a reflection on you. This was just, you know, things happen and technology really fucked us on that one. Sophia, what was your least favorite recording session? Uh, Mindhorn. Do you remember Mindhorn? We had to redo it. Oh my god, that now we were nearly finished. It was, I think, an hour and a half into it that it reset. The fucking... What What was it? Was it Zencaster just decided to shit on us? I think my internet just fucked. <laughs> like, just <laughs> ate <laughs> shit. And then, because, like, I have the quote-unquote host account, it, like, it was just like, well, go fuck yourself. Like, I had my local recording, and there's a point where, like, where my local recording just goes like, and I'm I'm saying something I'm like blah 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 blah. And I'm like, Wait, what the fuck? What the shit? What, what the ha- what just happened? <sighs> and then mine quit. So like, yeah. it was we had to do the entire fucking thing from scratch. And if it sounds like we weren't really into it, that's why. <laughs> I think we did okay. Yeah, I think I think it. Uh, yeah, it. it it's a fine episode. I don't go that far back in the library, you know, all that often, but right. the movie was fun. Yeah. Which brings us to, hey, what was your favorite movie that we covered? Oh, Hebrew Hammer. 100%. <laughs> Although I do want to give an honorable mention to Mindhorn because that capoeira thing at the end was just fantastic. Fucking moi. <laughs> I will never not laugh at that, but Hebrew Hammer was the most consistently funny and relatable movie that we've watched so far. So Kyle, what was your favorite movie? So, oh my God, I have, I named myself with an online moniker after Hebrew Hammer, but because that's so obvious, I'm going to choose something different and I'm going to go with, oh, what would, was my favorite? I'm going to go with The Long Dumb Road, actually. Okay, spicy. Tell me about it. This is very much what indie cinema can be and like is accessible. It's a road trip movie. It's got a comedian. It's got a bonkers comedian, but it's got a comedian. Yeah, we love Jason Mantzoukas. <laughs> I love Jason Mantzoukas so <laughs> much. And it's just like, it does make you think... But it's not, like, so challenging the way, like, maybe a David Lynch movie would be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, so, personally, I like the challenge of a of something like a David Lynch movie. But, Understandable. But also, yeah, it was, it was good without being complicated and 
just engaging enough to make the fact that it's uncomplicated fine. <laughs> Sophia, in that vein, or the opposite vein, what was your least favorite movie? Oh, you know it was liberal arts. You know Ooh, it was baby. liberal arts. Ooh, baby, oh, that's a bad one. That was a bad movie. Kyle, why did we start off with that movie? Were, were, we, were we using the number generator at that point? No, not at all. I could have sworn I told that story earlier in this recording. Maybe. Can you remind me? You were telling me about Queering House. How oh, yeah, think- yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so I kind of brought this movie down upon myself. In my hubris, I flew too close to the sun and <laughs> said that I could queer any straight movie. And Kyle was like, cracks knuckles, I got one for you. I don't recall if I successfully queered that movie because I don't ever, ever listen to that episode of this podcast that's how much i absolutely despise this fucking movie josh radner fuck you <laughs> yeah i think there are also other things to talk about like mostly his pretension we could we just uh, like dressed him down on that i do appreciate that somehow in 2021 a still from this movie like did its rounds on twitter <laughs> yes that was so good that was so good Okay, here's my. I, I've just I've just had an epiphany. My problem with this movie is that Josh Radner is playing the straight man to everyone else's straight man. <laughs> That's it. Like nothing, just nothing happens, and we're all left to play the straight man to their. Yo, what the fuck is this thirty-five-year-old dude doing macking on a nineteen-year-old? We hope. Yeah, it also started our lovely tradition of movies that were written directed and starring the same person yeah oh fuck you josh radner lake bell you're fine josh Gar- sorry garland jeff garland Je- yeah jeff garland you're good but please don't anymore blake bell you made a good movie it was a little dark for a comedy but it was fine fuck you josh radner fuck you <laughs> fuck you fuck you fuck you so kyle what was your least favorite movie my least favorite movie was the sleepover. I love Ken Marino so much, and even that couldn't save this movie because, as I titled it, what do you want? It's a kids' movie. Yeah, and it made it very difficult for me to lust after Malin Ackerman because she's amongst kiddos, right? And it's just now proximity. I don't like that. I don't like that. Get it. put the kids to sleep, and then you know we'll talk. But like until then, no. Yeah, that's our. That was our year. That was a. So no, I have a, I have another question for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we hadn't created this podcast, mm-hmm. but you know, another podcast would have come up. What 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 might you be doing in an alternate universe where this podcast never made it, but your other one did? <laughs> I had two ideas prior to this. That, quite frankly, I thought were more interesting because who needs another movie podcast? <laughs> but we we found a way to differentiate ourselves. I'll yeah. stand by that. Yeah. Two things I thought would have been really interesting were a scripted story podcast, like a radio play. Mm-hmm. The other would have been an actual play of some tabletop role-playing game that was not D&D. Just literally anything else. <laughs> but... In my opinion, both of those require quite a bit of audio design to do well. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I felt that I could do at the time. And I still don't think I could do. 
I also don't know what time I would give to it. <laughs> well, that's fair, honestly. Yeah. So for me, mm-hmm. because I am the person I am, I also probably would have wanted to get into something scripted, maybe something a little more serious. Are you familiar with the podcast, This Planet Needs a Name? I am not. Please tell me about it. Oh, it's amazing. So essentially, it starts when this spacecraft crew arrives at a new planet, one that has been surveyed and everything is kosher. It's going to be a good place to start civilization. And obviously, problems immediately arise. But the crew all love and care about each other very deeply. And the unofficial, well, official-ish leader of the crew that arrives there is named Zahava. And she does bring a Jewishness to, you know, her entire character. And it's it's really just wonderful. They're all just like trying to cope with all of the, the problems that come with trying to colonize a virgin planet. And there's a point I have, I, I kind of fell away from listening to it because I was in a place where I couldn't really take heavy emotions very well, where they started, like there was a huge fight about whether or not the earth still exists. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's really powerful and I cannot recommend it enough. I did just think of one other idea that would have been eh, not great, but it is an idea. Hmm. Watching the winner of the Golden Raspberry going back like eh, 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a limited run podcast by its nature. Yeah, but I think that's okay. Yeah. The idea you're familiar with the Golden Raspberries, I'm sure. Oh, God, yes. So these are... The opposite Oscars. Yeah, we, we've got a movie that legitimately won a Golden Raspberry on the list, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. Oh, goodness. Yeah. yeah. I did see, though, that this they usually have, like, they have standard categories, and then they make one up each year for, like, what's relevant. This year was, what's the what was the worst Bruce Willis movie? Yeah, all of them. Because he did seven in 2021. And no one gave a shit. Yeah. They actually rescinded that award because he is retiring from acting due to some aphasia. And they felt bad. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Oh, I, I, you know what? I think if I couldn't land a scripted podcast, I'd probably, I'd probably have a podcast where I still do film crit, which again, those, those are a dime a dozen, Mm -hmm. but you know, Adding some of my trademark edge to it, you know? I say fuck a lot, which is not the most ladylike thing in the universe, but who gives a shit? And then, you know, if you've read any of my Queeringhouse stuff... Go read some of my Queeringhouse stuff. Then you'll know that, like, I... Yeah, I, I have a certain je ne sais quoi in my process that I think would translate very well to audio. So that might be fun. All right, I think it's time we wrap up our episode. So, Sophia, where can people find you online? Uh, do not perceive me. Okay. No, okay. So, well, there's a link tree. You know, big hits are I'm on. I'm always, always the fuck on Twitter at Hamil Karenina, H A M I L C A R E N I N A. And let's see what else. Oh yeah, I'm on Medium at Sophia Helena Maestricht. That's where I publish my Queering House project. Go read Queering House. 
also I have the fifth columnist, which is my rogue political opinions. I'm going to put an affiliate link in the show notes if you are so moved to join Medium using that link. It's like $5 a month, and I get a cut of that. So let's see, what else do I do? Um, for some fucking reason, I'm on Quora. I hate it more and more every day that passes. Probably mm-hmm. not long for that. Basically, I have to keep it. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about why, but I have to keep it through like June, maybe August, September. But after that, I, I don't. I don't see a reason to continue. So I may be exiting that platform again. Let's see. I'm on Instagram at Sophia H underscore MDT. Don't find me on Facebook. Do not find me on Facebook. And that's me, Kyle. Where can people find you? I am on Twitter at Kyle the Giggles. I am on Tumblr. Letterboxd, and Twitch now under Hebrew Hammer. I'm very sporadic on Twitch because I'm still starting out. And also that one is he underscore bro underscore hammer. Oh, Sucks to not get the combined one, but yeah, that's life. Hey, Kyle, where can people find the podcast? Thank you for asking. The podcast is at Off the Film Path. We managed to snag that one. Hey. Sophia frequently will... I say frequently. She's done this before. (laughs) (laughs) Live tweet reactions to the movies that we watch. I do a few other things. I tweeted about something Randall Park did. It's not the most active account, and we could probably work on that, but it's fun. And yeah, I do spoiler-free live tweets of the movie, reacting to the movie, and it'll just... It'll fill you with what the fuck could they possibly, possibly, possibly be talking about this time. It's amazing. If you would like, there is a link at the bottom of our show notes where you can leave a voice message to appear in an upcoming episode, whether to talk about the movie or leave your own pop culture pop out, which we forego or went or went. Thank you. I don't know. I don't know that that's correct. That's what I've just that's what I've always said in this episode, just because this is a different kind of thing. But in order to talk about the movie, Sophia, do you remember what I said we're doing next time while you're away? I don't. Next time we are covering Pleasantville. Sophia will be elsewhere and I don't want to bother her. So we will have Matt back as well as another guest. So I will say that I appreciate not being bothered on this particular trip because it... Okay, I don't want to say where I'm going or why, right? but there may be other people bothering me. Yeah. Also, this episode is going to come out right before Passover, so have a lovely Passover, y'all. Hugs on and ass. Easter for our... Oh, and it will be Ramadan. In fact, I believe it is, is, I believe it is Ramadan right now. I believe it is currently Ramadan. Yeah. Ramadan Karim, to those who celebrate. But if you like the show, follow us on Twitter... Subscribe on your podcatcher, leave a review on iTunes or Spotify, tell your friends, contract out a fortune cookie company and leave the URL in fortune cookies. Hey, I like that one. That's That one's way better than doing a fight club. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye.